Welcome to the second season of A New Voice of Freedom, the podcast taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity written by Ronald Keith Messer are now broadcast on weekdays. Podcast 9 of Season 2 is entitled The Lamb and the Tiger. Ron, you have often talked about William Blake, the English Romantic poet. Would you please explain his two poems, The Lamb and the Tiger? Love to. William Blake is another of my favorite poets. The English Romantic period began in England in 1798, associated with the publication of lyrical ballads by Wordsworth and Coleridge. Blake was born in London in 1757. He died in 1827. Blake epitomizes the Romantic movement. He was given divisions. At age four, he saw God put his head to the window. In his perambulations, he saw a tree filled with angels. The poems he referred to appear in Songs of Innocence and Songs of Experience. In Songs of Innocence, he included the Lamb. Would you please read that for us? Little Lamb, who made thee? Dost thou know who made thee, gave thee life, and bid thee feed by the stream and o'er the mead? Gave thee clothing of delight, softest clothing, woolly bright. Gave thee such a tender voice, making all the vales rejoice. Little lamb who made thee, dost thou know who made thee? Little lamb, I'll tell thee, little lamb, I'll tell thee. He is called by thy name, for he calls himself a lamb. He is meek and he is mild. He became a little child. I a child and thou a lamb. We are called by his name, little lamb. God bless thee, little lamb. God bless thee. When John the Baptist saw Jesus, he exclaimed, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. John evoked in his readers the image of Christ being offered as a sacrifice. The genius Blake can pull the wool over your eyes with the simplicity of his language. The first stanza raises the question of who created the little lamb. The second stanza answers the question, but with a twist. Blake describes Jesus. He is meek and he is mild. He became a little child. The next couplet says a peculiar thing. I, a child, and thou a lamb. We must look at the pronoun reference. Who is I, and more importantly, who is thou? All pronouns in the poem referring to Christ are capitalized. The pronoun thou isn't. It appears Blake is referring to himself and his readers, and not to Christ. Blake then uses the pronoun we. He said, we are called by his name. Before Christ, we are both his children and his lambs. In other words, he is our creator and our shepherd. In the refrain, Little Lamb, God bless thee, Little Lamb, God bless thee, Blake is asking Christ to save all of us. We have just the opposite image in Songs of Experience. Blake asks the same questions of the tiger. Would you please read that? Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forests of the night, what immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry? In what distant deeps or skies burnt the fire of thine eyes? On what wings dare he aspire? What the hand dare seize the fire? And what shoulder and what art could twist the sinews of thy heart? And when thy heart began to beat, what dread hand and what dread feet? What the hammer, what the chain, in what furnace was thy brain? What the anvil, 
What dread grasp dare its deadly terrors clasp? When the stars threw down their spears and watered heaven with their tears, did he smile his work to see? Did he who made the lamb make thee? Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forest of the night, what immortal hand or eye dare frame thy fearful symmetry? William Blake brilliantly captures the paradox of mankind in trying to understand the nature of God. One image of Christ in the Holy Bible is the Lamb of God, or the Good Shepherd. Another image is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. The millennial image of the Lion and the Lamb lying down together is an image of Christ in both of his roles. Bring millennial peace to the earth, where he will reign a thousand years. In one image, he is the Prince of Peace. In another, he is depicted riding on a white horse, leading his army to defeat Satan. One verse speaks of the love of God, another of the wrath of God. So how do you explain the dichotomy between the lion and the lamb? To understand the answer, we must understand the nature of law, particularly the law of mercy and the law of justice. John the Revelator beautifully captures the many images of Christ in the book of Revelation. I like the image of Christ in Revelation 19:11 through 16. It beautifully describes the law of justice. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with the vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That is certainly the image of a tiger and not of a lamb. It is easier to explain the tiger in Blake's poem if we first discuss the necessity of the law of justice. Explain what you mean by the law of justice. I will answer your question with a question. Why can't God simply extend his mercy unequivocally to all of his children, forgiving all sins arbitrarily, removing guilt, responsibility, and free will whether people ask for it or not? I suppose for the same reason we can't simply open all of our prison doors and without any restrictions or personal accountability allow murderers, rapists, serial killers, thieves, and terrorists loose in our streets and give them free reign over our lives and neighborhoods. How soon would law and order break down? And God's kingdom is a kingdom of law and order. It is the law of justice that holds everything together and governs all other laws. It is the supreme law of the universe. It is what makes God, God. God cannot be fickle or arbitrary. He cannot allow any exceptions to the law of justice. I get it. To understand the law of justice, we must understand the nature of God. So how about telling us, what is the nature of God? Don't you ever ask simple questions? No. But I do ask for short answers, so don't get wound up. Two terms are often attributed to God. He is omniscient and omnipotent. What if he were also arbitrary and evil? 
It would be a scary universe. Who would defy him? If God were not bound by law, then all creation would be chaos. God represents order. Satan represents disorder. God represents good. Satan represents evil. In relationship to man, Satan has great power. In relationship to God, Satan has no power. Satan is not allowed in the presence of God. Isaiah tells us, Be ye clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. Paul said, Be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean things, and I will receive you. That is why no one can enter into God's presence who has not been sanctified. God is governed by absolute law called the law of justice. It is not many laws, it is one law. The law of justice is unconditional, uncompromising, unchangeable, and immutable. It is the only way that order can be maintained in the universe. All other laws are ruled by the law of justice. I understand that if God allowed imperfection in his kingdom, his kingdom would not last. It is self-preservation. The law of justice is the law that gives God omnipotence. That means that Satan does not have omnipotence because he lives outside of the law. With all of Satan's false faces, he is nothing compared to God. God can chain him for a thousand years, or for ten thousand years, or for eternity, and Satan can do nothing about it. In Revelation 12, John tells us, Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Why then does God allow Satan to roam the earth? Why didn't he just chain Lucifer the moment he rebelled against God in heaven? And why, of all things, did he cast him down to earth where he creates such misery? The answer is simple, yet contains one of the greatest complexities of man and his relationship to God. Only through opposites can we have agency. For agency to exist, we must be enticed by both God and Satan. We must choose between God and Satan. That is the only reason Satan is permitted to remain on the earth. However, God restricts Satan's power. In 1 Corinthians 1.13, Paul addresses that issue. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. The adage that the devil made me do it is false. Satan cannot make us do anything. He may entice us, but he may not command us. Our free will is inherent. Our agency depends upon our own choices. Our liberty is entirely subject to the law of liberty, which is the Ten Commandments. Obedience to law is the key to all freedom. We generally use free will, agency, and liberty interchangeably, but you always separate them. Please define for me the way you use the terms. Free will is not a creation. Free will is spiritual. It cannot be created or destroyed. The will is who we are. It is inherent in our immortal intelligence. Did you know that no two snowflakes are alike and no two leaves are alike? How much different are we as human beings, the most complex creatures of all? The will self-exists. But free will exists only because the laws of God exist. In a lawless or totally chaotic world, there would be no free will, no agency, no liberty, no opposition, nothing. It would be a kind of death. 
what scientists refer to as the giant heat death, a universe of nothingness. The will is inherent, but God created or organized laws so that the will could act. Exactly. He organized laws so that our will could reach its full potential. Lord Alexander, the children's author, said, We are a great perhaps. With that free will, we chose to follow Michael in the war in heaven against Lucifer and his army. That is how we earned the right to come to earth and gain a physical body. On earth, our agency increased exponentially because of our physical body, because we were created in the image of God, and because Satan was allowed to entice us to evil, giving us a choice. There is a colossal catch. Of course. We may choose our actions, but our consequences choose us. Obedience to law brings order. Disobedience to law brings disorder. Now describe agency. Agency is the ability to choose between good and evil. That is where Lucifer comes in. We have agency only because we can choose between God and Satan. God guards our agency by restricting Satan's power. In addition, he remains invisible so that even faith in God is a choice. You have often said that we may forfeit our agency, but no one can take it from us against our will. Imprisoning the body does not imprison the spirit. We will always have control over the spirit if we choose. Free will and agency are of the spirit. They do not have a genetic component. Our body may be a biological machine controlled by the brain, but our spirit is not. Our spirit controls all things spiritual and exerts a powerful influence on the brain insomuch that it can change our behavior and heal our body. The body may be controlled by the brain, but the brain is controlled by the spirit unless, of course, there are physical challenges beyond our control or unless we deliberately forfeit our free will. Turning back to Blake's question, the law of justice is compared to the tiger. The law of mercy is compared to the lamb. The law of mercy may satisfy the law of justice, but it cannot cheat or rob or in any way diminish the law of justice. The law of justice is the supreme law. The law of justice governs all of God's kingdom. His kingdom is perfect because nothing can live there that does not obey the law of justice. If God is governed entirely by the law of justice, that means that the law of mercy pertains to this earth. Yes. Only in mortality can we break the Ten Commandments. Only because of mortality do we need the law of mercy. Did we really need mortality? It seems safer if we had stayed in heaven as spirits. That is another of the great paradoxes, isn't it? The answer is yes. Only in mortality could we have a physical body, and only in mortality could we eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Without that, we would not have agency. Agency is one of the primary attributes of God. That is why he is called the creator. Satan has no power of creation. He is the destroyer. His entire purpose is to destroy the creations of God. God is omnipotent and immune to all temptation. Therefore, man is Satan's primary target. I think I get it. To institute the law of mercy, Christ had to satisfy the law of justice. The only way he could satisfy the law of justice was to obey the law of justice perfectly. Christ never disobeyed his Father. That is what makes Christ God. Christ became our Savior only because he suffered for our sins in Gethsemane and died on the cross on Calvary. The law of justice exacts a price for every law broken. Christ paid that price for us because he needed no redemption. 
Therefore, justice is satisfied in mercy too. Christ has the power to redeem us from our sin, perfect and sanctify us, and bring us back perfect into the kingdom of God. You say that the law of justice is unconditional. The law of mercy is conditional. What does that mean? The conditions for the law of mercy are repentance for our sins, obedience to the laws of God, and endurance to the end. That is the only way God could preserve our agency. We must ask God for forgiveness. We must ask for His salvation. He cannot distribute it willy-nilly, or it would violate the law of justice. And it would take away our agency. It is justice that punishes us for sin. All sin is violation of law. Unless we call upon the mercy of Christ, who has the power to save us from our sins, then we become subject to the unconditional law of justice. God never does anything that is superfluous or unnecessary. His decision to sacrifice his life for our sins was made before the earth was even created. The earth experience was necessary for us to exercise our agency and learn to become more like God. Christ is the model. We were sent to earth to become Christ-like if we choose. If God saved us against our will, he would rob us of our agency, the very thing he died to protect. God cannot save us against our will. Those who do not rely upon the mercy of Christ must satisfy the law of justice themselves. They must pay for their own sins. Thus agency is preserved. Free will, agency, and liberty are among the greatest gifts of God. God respects our free will. He guards our agency. And he gave us the Ten Commandments that we may have liberty. All misery in the world is because of a violation of the Ten Commandments. That brings us back to Blake's question, poised in his poem, The Tiger. Did he who made the lamb make thee? The answer is yes. If God did not live the law of justice, he would not be God. If God had not instituted the law of mercy, we could never return to the presence of God. God is bound by the law of justice. We are bound by the law of mercy. We cannot live the law of justice because none of us are perfect. But because of Christ, we can live the conditions of the law of mercy. He alone has the power to perfect us, protect us, preserve us, and sanctify us, making it possible for us to live in the presence of God if we obey His commandments. God is a lamb to those who choose to follow Him. The law of mercy allows it. He is a tiger to those who choose of their own free will to follow Satan. The law of justice demands it. If we choose God, we can all be saved. The law of mercy allows it. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity is available at RonaldMesser.com.